All right. It is episode 58 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I am Ryan Topp, and I am joined today by Paul Noonan and Jared Radcliffe. How are you doing, guys? Doing great. How are you? I'm all right. Hey. We just saw the Packers do a very strange thing with that game. I don't even know what to describe that as. Um, just an awful... Just a, a awful display of football incompetence by everybody involved in the game, both teams, all coaches, re- referees especially. Uh, I wish I'd never seen it. I wish I had three hours back. I would have literally done anything else. Um, it made watching the Badger game yesterday a perfectly pleasant experience. Um, it made the the Brewers losing to the Pirates uh, in a three-game series, one to two, the highlight of the weekend for me. Which Yeah, is, that's that's really something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited to be making my maiden voyage here on the uh, on the tailgate podcast on the worst weekend in Wisconsin sports history and at least recent memory. I was at that Badger game yesterday. That was a time. And then uh, at least the Packers get a tie. I guess that's something, something small to work work with, I suppose. Yeah, we were with some guys at the game on Friday night. My wife and I went to it and uh, the guys behind us were from Maryland. And they were doing like a Wisconsin sports weekend. None of them, I don't think, had any ties to the area. <laughs> and so they were coming into Good Milwaukee job. to do that game and then headed to Camp Randall for the Badgers against BYU and then headed to Lambeau for that game. Well, they saw a win at least. They get, so, they get one out of three. So they, they saw something. But I, again, I don't think they like particularly had any vested interest in Wisconsin. They were all like Oriole fans. So like it was there, there so didn't they seem get to the be any connection. That's nice. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I guess the Orioles have, have gotten them the number one pick. So congratulations on that, but and did we introduce? Yeah, here oh, I, I said, I'm Jr. Radcliffe. Okay. I missed, I'm happy to be here. I missed guys. Jr.'s intro. I'm sorry. I'm very excited about this. I was this probably really rambling cool. too I'm, loudly about other sports. I apologize. <laughs> well, we'll get to we'll get to the uh, the Twitter handle identification and all that stuff in just a minute. But first, we got we got all the other stuff to get through here. So let's see if I can do this without tripping all over myself. You can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcast. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKETailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com, or you can follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that on our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com backslash MKETailgate. Our ball and glove patrons receive the monthly minor league extra podcast. And you guys can be found at, I know, Paul, you're uh, at Badger Noonan, right? That is correct. And and I'm just at J.R. Radcliffe. That's Radcliffe with an E on the end. Ah, yes, the, the, the British E. The British E. I am royalty. I'm actually, my name, James Patrick Radcliffe the Fourth, is my legitimate name. So <laughs> okay. I am as royal as they get. J.R. for short, though, so it makes things easy for me. We're all bowing in the studio now. Mm-hmm. There's, some, there's some family rumor that like we were originally the Von Tops. <laughs> which implies some sort of royalty thing. We're all running away in <laughs> yeah. horror right now. Yeah. Doesn't that mean you know all the words to like the Lonely Goat Herd song? Yeah, I was and, just going to say. Uh, so long, farewell. Yes. You got to do a little number. There's got to be a musical episode of the Tailgate podcast, right? <laughs> Someday. I don't I don't know that any of the uh, the normal regular hosts can sing, but maybe you guys can can do that. Is that a, a skill? Oh, your karaoke skills. Uh, only at night and in the shower, not, <laughs> not on mic. You got to have that extra acoustic boost. <laughs> All right. Uh, Milwaukee's Tailgate is also sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. From Dragon Flute to Block Party to Fantasy Factory IPA, K4 specializes in English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. Out now is Carbon 4 October Ale, their Oktoberfest-style ale, and the Night Call Smoked Porter. 
and we have a new deal exclu- exclusively through Milwaukee's Tailgate. Use the promo code MKE Tailgate in the Carbon 4 web store and receive 20% off your order. Also, Fantasy Factory IPA is now in cans, just in time to grab a six pack and tailgate while the Brewers are making a push for the playoffs. You can find it at uh, the brewery on Kinsman Boulevard or at your local retailer. As always, check out carbon4.com for more information. Carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. And finally, Milwaukee Tailgate is also sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the Mix Pre 3 and the Mix Pre 6 for more information. Visit SoundDevices.com. All right, guys, let's get to the baseball. So it was kind of a mixed week for the Brewers. They started off by taking two out of three from the Cubs at Wrigley. Yeah, Wrigley, right? <laughs> yes, I somehow was Let's imagining that Miller Park and I'm like, yes, that, that was the case. That was uh, that was the week before. All the weeks are blending together at this point. Um, so anyway, they took two out of three in that series, but then uh, ran into the Pirates, who've been really their their bugaboo this season. They're now five and eleven against the Pirates. Uh, does this mean anything to you that they're five and eleven against the Pirates? Um, no, it means nothing at all to me. I think the Cubs are like similarly. Similarly, playing against the Reds, and the Reds are awful. This is just mostly random noise. In 5-11s, you know, like two, three games from being 500, it just happens. There's always a team like that. The Brewers used to be that for the Pirates when the Pirates were good and the Brewers were bad. And it like it's nothing anybody should worry about. They have a series still against the Pirates. They might sweep it for all we know. So it's just nonsense. I do hate it, though. I hate it. It's are, bad. I hate it. They are not a good baseball yeah. team. but No, they're not, especially now with Polanco out. I thought that might be the, the thing that did it because Polanco had been so good against them yeah. in and, the, the season series, but no. And you haven't, I mean, you haven't, don't really know any of their backups, so it's sort of a, a team of guys. You look at their lineup on Friday night, and I'm, there were at least three names in there that I didn't know at all. So, uh, right. I think, um, y- you know, they, it's always frustrating when, team, when, when the Brewers get a lot of guys on base and they don't cash in it felt that way late in the game on saturday night all day sunday leadoff guys you know galore and they didn't seem to cash them in but also says that they're not really that far away you know they're one or two hits that they just didn't get in those two games and the next game they might get all of those hits so yeah they had runners in scoring position in the seventh eighth and ninth on saturday's game with no outs or one out maybe it was each inning it was no outs and they didn't cash any of them in and that just gets so frustrating it's been a very frustrating weekend here and uh, <laughs> a lot of it is like they the brewers are worse against lefties than they are against righties and um the one when they got was against the righty that the pirates went out of their way to acquire and pitch against them so good for that at least archer makes them weaker hope we play him again <laughs> yeah and and the brewers will be facing the uh the uh, Pirates again next weekend yeah. in Pittsburgh. So they're going to get the quick turnaround on this one after hosting the Reds for three. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Looking at the standings right now, uh, be, thanks to the Cubs losing on Saturday against the Reds, which, again, you're pointing out they were, they've been struggling this season with the Reds, uh, they now sit, the Brewers sit 2.5 games back. So they're two and a half games back of the, of the, the Cubs. We had a question here from... Uh, was it uh, at PJ Wessels? There it is. And he sort of asked a couple different questions together here, but let's just take, what do you think it's going to take to win the division for the Brewers at this point in terms of uh, how many wins they have 12 games remaining. What do they have to do to really have a shot at the division? Um, I think 
it's not going to happen. That's just might, that's no, 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 no. <laughs> people, people overrate this. Like everybody goes on uh, on so, my my social media and is like, oh, if the Cubs go five hundred or slightly over five hundred, then the Brewers have to go something ridiculous like eleven and two to win the division. That sounds ominous. But teams don't always go five hundred. The Cubs have been in funks lately their offense has been in rough shape they just lost their closer probably for the for the year the rest of their bullpen's bad like they could still have a slump and finish under 500 so you need the cubs to to tank a little bit and um that's totally possible they have a pretty hard schedule down the stretch and yeah they're kind of juggernauts but they're not immune from that kind of thing and you need to get a little lucky on the opposite frame like you do need to probably go out and sweep one or two of these and not just win two out you, you can't afford to lose one bad you can't afford to get swept but if you can go on a little streak and win like six out of seven you'll be right back in it just like you were the other day so i mean to have any chance we're talking like probably eight to nine wins yeah i think to have any chance at all i'd say like nine minimum yeah two and a half is kind of a magic number in my mind because i think back to 2008 when it was two and a half with eight games to go they go they go out saturday that saturday the day that i got that i got married 10 years ago which uh, Steve Karsinski, I hope you're enjoying your uh, your <laughs> your anniversary weekend as you are not here. But um, you, you know, then they made up those two and a half games in eight days on the Mets, and and three and a half really because they bypassed them by a game. But it required so much to go right. You just remember all the things that had to go right that week. I mean, the Brewers had to win six of seven to close things down, or seven of eight, I guess it would have been to uh, to get in position. And then the Mets had to kind of choke. So it just seems like, and certainly with twelve games, it's doable. Of course, it is. It's just. You know, the, you said the Cubs schedule is kind of tough. I don't think it's I don't think it's super difficult. Difficult. I mean, they got to they go to the White Sox, which is going to be Cubs home games. They've got the Pirates, which shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah. Although we just saw that, so um, you know, they got the Cardinals the at Cardinals. the end of the year. So we'll be certainly we got to figure. You know, the Brewers fans are going to have to figure out who to cheer for in that series. It's going to come down to the next couple of weeks and whether they're cheering for the Cardinals to get all the way out of the wild card or for the Cubs to uh, still have a shot at the and, division. And that's their final series of the year, yeah, correct? That's it the is. And yeah. while, while they have the White Sox, who are who are bad, we do get to play the Tigers to, cl- this to is close true. out the season. This is true. three, three wins, but yeah. we see how, saw that one this weekend. Right. And, I think the Brewers did that to the Astros. I don't remember when, but that was maybe 2004, 2005, when they were just so bad, and the Astros were knocking on the door of the playoffs. Brewers went to Houston, took two out, I think two out of three at the end. I think Wes Obermuller was involved. But uh, <laughs> that was, you, just, you just can't count out anything. you got guys fighting for jobs the following year. There's just... You know, teams out of it are just still so dangerous. It's, it's a really... You know, there's, there's just still no predicting how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to win the division, but I think that that was always sort of the case with with this team. The Cubs are one of the most talented rosters in MLB, and they've now had two years where things have kind of gone wrong for them. And, you know, you have a thing like you go out and you get your $125 million arm in you Darvish, and he's essentially a non-factor all season for them. And they've, they've lost out on, you know, a good chunk of the season from uh, big closer signing Brandon Morrow and all of that so Tyler Chatwood hasn't been great right Tyler Chatwood really really showing why JP Boy, didn't like bad. him last year <laughs> JP was dead on on that one yeah I, I was awful I was thinking that was a chance for upside and whew, not at all um so that's a that's a tough situation but where they stand in relation to the wild card is a totally different picture because that's really been positive uh even though they lost two of three this weekend to the uh uh to the Pirates in the meantime, the Cardinals have been beaten three straight by the Dodgers and are in a total tailspin at the moment to the point where they've been passed up for the third wild card or the second wild card spot. 
by a streaking. Uh, well, I guess not even it by the Rockies. By the Rockies. Yeah, because the Rockies and the Dodgers, the the Dodgers were able to to get into the lead there, and I guess that's going to lead us into some of these other questions that I have. But looking at this, how do you feel about the uh, where they sit with the wild card spot as it stands right now, Jr. I mean, I think they're they're it's going to be impo- very difficult for them not to go to the playoffs at this point. They've, they've got it guys. They got it in the bag. It's uh famous last words, of course, but yeah. uh, it's, it's, it, it has broken their way a little bit. I think uh, they came into Sunday, their, their magic number, so to speak, to get into the playoffs was 10. If the Cardinals lose on uh, Sunday night baseball, which we don't know yet, they'll, uh, that'll be nine. So they've made, they've chipped away at that number for the last, uh, last several days. Thanks to the, the Cardinals losing. I mean, they still want to finish ahead of the Dodgers and the Rockies in case they get the division so that the, they're ahead of the NL West, uh, the NL West champion for home field advantage. But, but uh Things have broken exactly how the Brewers want. I mean, it is to the point where, and, and you look at both Fangraphs and, and Baseball Reference think this is a done deal. Like, it's getting to the point where the Brewers can really legitimately think about what they're going to do in the playoffs. That's why Shasin and Wade Miley switch spots in the rotation, because Shasin is targeted as the guy who's going to start the wild card game on October 2nd. I mean, that's that's almost certain to happen. They've got such a nice cushion of three and a half games coming into Sunday, and and. I mean, that's still something that isn't that, you know, the, the Rockies could pass them or the, Ro- or the Cardinals could conceivably still contend for this. But right now it's it's looking so pretty. I mean, I, I, I wake up on Sunday, even with the loss afterwards, it's like they're they're going to the playoffs. It's fine. I mean, it's not great, but they're going to go to the playoffs. It's just be nice if they win the division and not have to worry about that first game. Yeah, I mean, what are you guys rooting for in terms of who a possible who opponent would be? Because that's that's <laughs> the really tricky part, because you've got basically three major contenders. Let's assume for a moment that the Cubs do end up winning this, the Central and the Brewers are in the wild card game, either hosting it or away. There's really three possibilities for who that could be at this point, because Arizona seems to have just yeah, about faded out of the they're picture. Out they're they're yeah, just they're about gone. Did I mean, they, they would, they lost today. Didn't they? they would have to win. Yeah, I think they did. They were down five, nothing or five, one to Houston. When I last looked, yeah, so. five, four, they almost rally back like the Brewers. They scored three runs in the ninth, but uh, it's over. That's the death. Now, Arizona, we are fans of yours. If you are Brewers fans, because they play the Cubs next. They do. Oh, that's right. Yes. So if you're looking at that, you're basically looking at either Colorado, St. Louis, or the Dodgers. And I think all of them present their own interesting aspects. For instance, like, would you want to go to Colorado for a one-game playoff if that's the way that ended up breaking? No. no. I mean, I wouldn't want to go on the road anywhere. When you're up three already in the in, for the first wild so card, you don't want to. I went on Thursday. I actually I was down in Chicago for a talk by Peter Gammons and um, Ken Rosenthal. Really? And they were asked what their World Series favorite was, um, and their NL picks were both the Rockies. Um, <laughs> and I kind of agree. They're, did they get booed? You said they were in Chicago, right? Um, yeah, and they did no not, love for the hometown Cubs. They That's didn't tough. actually get booed. Um, there was some anti-Cub animus going on at that time. Really? Uh, in the crowd, yeah. White Sox fans turning <laughs> out for Gammons and Rosenthal. I think it was going. It was going on as Strop got hurt, like simultaneously. Oh, oh like okay. you know, hitting and running bases. Anti-Madden sentiment was in some, full force. Yeah, um, but. The, like the Rockies are streaking their pitching staff, I think matches up really well with the Brewers in a one game series. And I don't, first of all, I don't want to play in Colorado. I don't like the Brewers pitching staff in Colorado just because uh, I like the relievers in Colorado fine, but their starters, um, too much contact and too much breaking ball reliance and things fly out of Colorado too easily for my taste. Um, bullpen's a different story. They miss bats, but, um, like I want the Cardinals. I don't want anybody else. Um, we can, 
have that debate, but that's my preference yeah, for the wild card game. you're not a believer in the Cardinals devil magic. Is uh, that what I'm hearing? Yes, that's correct. Well, I'm not a believer in it either. I mean, I definitely would want the Cardinals too, only because I think the, you know, the you just alluded to the, the fact that the Brewers are better against right-handed pitchers and the Cardinals, if they have their druthers, are going to throw a right-handed pitcher in, yep. that, in that wild card game. So, I mean, the Brewers just across the board are better against righties. It means Moustakas and Shaw can be at their best. It mean, I mean, Scope and Aguilar hit righties better than lefties for the most part. So yep. I, I definitely think that favors Milwaukee. I mean, they, Kyle Freeland is just not a, not a guy you want to match up against. He's almost the least attractive of the three starting options. I mean, it's really hard. They're all really unattractive options. Sure, yeah. Because sure. And it, you could even go with a couple different guys in St. Louis because I don't know that they've actually really set in stone no. where they would be yet. Well, that's but the, either Nicholas or Flaherty, you're looking at a pretty tough matchup. Flaherty has absolutely owned the Brewers this year. Yeah, There's a one has. ERA over double-digit innings, I sure. would say. So. Double-digit innings, though. And sure. like, I don't want Kershaw in that game. I just don't. And the, the Dodgers nope. are really good. They have been destroying people lately. What, they beat the Cardinals 17-4 yesterday, something like that. Um, and the Cardinals just aren't, they're not that good. Like compared to those other two, they're just not that good a team. They're fine. They're their usual selves, but they're nothing to be scared of. What are we, eight and eight against them? I should have looked that up before we did this. Like uh, I think it's seven and eight because I know the last series dictates who wins that series. Right, right now, it's, it's even right now. I think it's eight to eight. Okay. And they so so we're, the so we're 500 against the Cardinals. Like if we're playing a playoff team, that's fine. That's not bad. I like that. We're familiar with them. We know how to beat them. Like, they're not that good. And the Brewers have had success against the, the Rockies, too. Though, I think you could make the argument that the Brewers had success against a Rockies team that was not playing at its best. We kind of caught them at some times yeah. when mm-hmm. they weren't playing at their, their best, and now they they are hot so this is the the nice thing about where the brewers are sitting with this cushion over the second place wildcard team those teams aren't going to necessarily get a chance to set their rotation the way they want it because they're going to be fighting all the way down the stretch and the dodgers and the rockies might be battling for the nl west title which is going to be just you know same boat for the brewers yeah, just true. as meaningful so well and not- just as much as i think setting your rotation is important i think setting your bullpens yeah sure, is yeah. really if big they're going to need all hands on deck if the brewers can rest. rest hater and jeffress for two games before that's that game happens they'll be, be tons better than they otherwise would be right if they can kind of pencil in those guys to go 50-ish pitches each for that game that could be a real big difference in mm-hmm. what you're looking at for that game. And of course, I think we're all on the same page here that we're expecting Craig Council to manage that game like it is, you know, a game seven situation. It's win or go home. And so you're looking at basically nobody has a long leash. Yeah, I think so. Like if if any of the bottom half of the bullpen pitches in that game, he should be fired immediately. <laughs> There's no excuse for it at that point. It's literally, literally season or nothing at that point. I mean, it sort of depends on if they're going pitcher by pitcher, matchup by matchup. Like, if you get a very short start, you could see kind of that making some sense. But I guess, but otherwise, I don't, it's. I don't want to rather go to it like a different starter at that point. Like, like do you want do you want Jennings pitching at all in that game? He's always my cutoff for relievers. Like. I I would almost I would rather have almost anybody else um, starter down to Jennings pitch in an elimination game. Well, it'll be interesting unless to see. it goes like twenty five innings. That's a different story. Well, sure. It it depends what they're going to do as far as their roster for that game too. They do not need to because you reset your roster after that game. They do not need to put any of their other starters in there, so they can basically just run like a ten man bullpen with like one starter and say that's the pitching staff, and still put 14 position players on the roster so they'll give themselves a ton of matchup options off the bench that way too. 
you floated that crazy idea about starting with Jeffress, and I didn't think it was that crazy. Like Jeffress Hater, take take two innings apiece. I mean, why not? I don't I don't think that's what they'll do. But. Yeah, I don't think they'll do it either. But it's a, it's an intriguing idea. I, I think I'd rather save them for Fireman Plus duty sure, in that yeah. game. And uh, you know, you're going with Chessing. It's not like you have to start some garbage right. starter. But I'd be surprised if, no matter what, even if she's seen dominates, I'd be surprised if it's more than four innings for any starter, for any starter who's yeah. in that situation. Right. I mean, it, barring a situation where, you know, and this is the dream, you know, you're up big and, oh, yeah. and then it's and he's cruising and you can just kind of let it go for a while. Mm-hmm. But then you'd think, well, they, they probably want to limit him to 70, 80 pitches anyway, because they want to have him fresh and ready to go. Perhaps, you know, game two of the, the following series, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, looking at, I mean, are we believers in the the Clayton Kershaw postseason thing? Because I've seen some of that where people are like, well, I want to face Kershaw because he's bad in the postseason. No, he's not. He's good. And no, that's ridiculous again. Dealing with... Dealing with a lot of small sample size luck today. Now, the, the best thing, you, the the thing you can say about Kershaw is he's not as good as he used to be. Like he's he's much more hittable. He's he's not his normal dominant, you know, in his prime self. But he's still really really good. Uh, I don't want any part of him in a one game scenario. And I think he's right on that edge. Do you guys know about that? That every year in his pro career, he's lowered his ERA. Yep. And I think he's on the edge right now of, of potentially doing that because he's had a much better second half. Dude, he's got a two two five one ERA, and that's his highest, yeah. highest ERA since 2012 when he had 2.53. How in the world has he been this consistent? What a what a freak of nature. How would anyone want to face that guy in a one-game playoff? Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, – one of my favorite things to look at is the all-time innings ERA plus leader on, the, on baseball reference. Yep. And if you look at him, he is number two behind Mariano Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> and like Rivera's at like 200 and something like he's just way far away ahead of everybody else. But then, yeah, like number two all time in career adjusted ERA plus is Clayton Kershaw. He's one of the greatest pitchers of all time and probably already a Hall of Famer. Yeah, like I if, think if he retires tomorrow, he's a Hall of Famer easily. Yeah, and he's had I'm trying to I'm looking up the success thing because I know he's obviously had some pretty famous playoff flameouts, but he's been OK lately. Uh, he got. You know, I know he got. He had the one against the Cardinals where he was good for like five innings, and then they just let him stay in there in the sixth and just got torched and got knocked around. Yeah, he's got a few like that. He's also lost some tough. He's had some tough losses to some other good pitchers too, and he's not. It's ridiculous. Like he's he's good. You don't want to play against him. You want to play against somebody else. Yeah. He wasn't as good as I remember in that Houston series in the World Series. <laughs> but he was good. He was good against the Cubs in the uh, in the NLCS. But yeah, no, maybe, maybe not so good. But like like Paul said, who who actually wants to face Clayton Kershaw in any situation? So just gotta uh, just gotta hope it's not the Dodgers. I, I really don't. I re, I just don't. That's the team I want. I know I said Colorado's probably the team that is the least that that you probably should want to face the least, but. Dodgers, man, they've scared me all year. I've been watching them all year, even when they fell supposedly way, way out of it. That's a team. No, I didn't want anything to do with Kenley Jansen isn't right now, but he's getting back to full strength. I mean, that's a that's a guy who takes away a whole a whole inning and and their offense is good. Their offense matches up with Milwaukee's, I think. Yeah. The other thing I'll say about the, the Cardinals is so um, if you do believe in Cardinal devil magic, which you should not, you should also believe that having Mike Matheny as their manager broke it because that was a stupid decision. And you don't get to keep magic if you make dumb decisions like that. And yeah, they <laughs> fired him, but they replaced it from internal and they're the same people who hired him in the first place. So, um, well, And then they also weirdly gave him that contract. Like, what was that all about? Yeah, the, the, so the Cardinals are not 
the old Cardinals. They're they're being operated much much less well. They're poorly operated at this point. Yeah, they have all their annoying players. Matt Carpenter's an MVP candidate, even though he was a non-prospect forever. They get that. Um, but this is not the same organization. You shouldn't be scared of them. They're, they're, th- it's broken. They're not magic. Um, Kershaw, he's magic. Um, <laughs> um, the, the Rockies right now, they look like they might be. Cardinals not. So, I mean, how scared <laughs> are you of that Rockies bullpen? Because it really, outside of Adam Ottavino, what do they really have that's great? I, I feel like the Rockies could potentially be a team that if you survive Freeland, that you could potentially do some damage late in a game there. I agree with that. You just have to survive Freeland, and he's just he seems like he's a well-suited brewer killer. That's mostly it. Uh, but you're right. If you can get through him, then you can do some damage. The base and baseball. The Bre- Brewers got to Adovino earlier this year. Yeah, they did. Crazy game where they managed to come back. They didn't win. But, <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel like that. Uh, that bullpen is very impervious. That's the wrong word, but I'm going to go with it anyway. <laughs> All right. So answer some questions. We've already kind of talked around some of this stuff a little bit, but um, a guy we all know on on Twitter, uh, James L. asks, uh, do you guys want to see, who do you want to see less in the wildcard game, Clayton Kershaw or the Cardinals? I mean, you're really pushing the the uh, you, the Cardinals yes, here. The, the answer is you want to see Kershaw less. You want to see the Cardinals. And I mean, the Dodgers offense is nothing to sneeze at either. No, That's it's good. It's really yeah. good. It's such a weird position to be in the way that everything is set up with the NL West teams facing each other, the Cardinals facing the, the Braves, which you kind of still want to lose if, if you believe the Brewers can win the division, and um, the Cardinals are facing the Cubs at the end of the year. You're cheering for that magic number to shrink because you just are, at least if you're a fan like me, you're so freaked out by the fringe possibility that they don't go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're just like, get into the playoffs. So if the Cardinals lose, that drops the magic number. Let's cheer for that. But at the same time, you know, I, I agree that I would rather see St. Louis be that matchup for sure. And it's, it's hard to sort of take that long view. Like, well, they're going to, if they win, you know, if they win tonight, it could be good and lose tomorrow. That's good. And then the next <laughs> series, but it's, it's, it's a very complicated puzzle late in the year here. I was talking to somebody on Twitter and they were like, well, I want to see the Dodgers take the first two and then the Cardinals win one. Yeah. And then like very specific. <laughs> so it wasn't just down. It wasn't just is, a three, one, like that is series very victory. specific. It was a specific order and all that too. And I was like, okay, that, I don't understand, but all right. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was a joke and I just didn't get the joke. That's probably what happened. So, uh, yeah, it's, I just, a a primal part of my brain that, that ancient reptilian part of the brain says, no, you, you want the Cardinals? No, 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 no. Like that 2011, I I said the same thing. So I'm like, the Cardinals just aren't that good this year. And like when they were making that run and it just, that it came back so hard to bite us in the ass that it was just. I, I can never I can never take the Cardinals beating the Cardinals for granted. When it happens, <laughs> it, it feels like a miracle every time. So I just I have a real hard time with that one. But I understand what you're saying. It does especially once you get past the starters. The Cardinals bullpen just Yeah, it's it's not good. It's and it's very, very workable. That they're they're not. They're just okay, and their their offense isn't that good either. They're just fine. Um, the Dodgers. Uh, also, by the way, you want this game to be at home if at all possible. Traveling For anywhere sure. is bad. Um, traveling to St. Louis is annoying as all get out. You don't want to be in Colorado, and you don't want to travel to the West Coast either. Like these are all bad options. Right. Uh, so root for that. That's something you should really root for. But yeah, like 
Everybody else is better than the Cardinals. If they make it, they'll have gotten lucky. I guess that's a double magic thing, but still. Which, again, is complicated because yeah. the Cardinals are the team that, if, you know, when the Cardinals face the Dodgers on Sunday night, you want you the want Dodgers it. to lose so that greater likelihood than the Brewers are playing at home. Yep. That is tricky. So much to root for. At least uh-huh. Arizona is like a full-fledged ally at this point because they were in the mix for a while there, too, and the Phillies yeah. fell way out. So at least there are teams because the Phillies are going to be big in the, late in the year, too. They got Colorado still. So there's a, there's a, there's some teams that we couldn't – the Bruce fans couldn't cheer for, and now they can't. Okay. okay. So calling a little bit of an improv here because we we went through the, the topics that we had much quicker than I anticipated. So to kind of come up with some things here on the fly, uh, I'm going to ask you guys – a question, some questions about different players on the Brewers and see where you stand with them right now, because there have definitely been ups and downs in all these guys' performances and um, positive indicators lately, but some longer history of struggles. I guess let's start with Corey Knable. How much do you trust Corey Knable in a close game? In, you know, is he a guy you want out there with runners on in the sixth or seventh inning of the wildcard game? I, I, I do. I mean, and, and I am swayed by recent, recent developments because it seemed pretty clear to me he was so off that it just wasn't. It had to be something mechanical. It had to be something that was fixable, not just like he fell off a cliff and he's not good anymore. I didn't think that was happening. Yeah, just to go over what he's done since the send down and since coming back up, he's pitched seven and two thirds innings. He's allowed a point zero eight batting average. 120 slugging, 115 on base. I mean, 13 strikeouts, two hits. He's really been quite dominant. The curveball, man. It wasn't there. It was He couldn't locate it, and now he can. So at least for seven innings, obviously that's too tiny a sample, but it sure seems like – I mean, and it's pretty clear they are going to rely on him after Hader and Jeffress. He's the, he's sort of the next guy up. Since, yeah. Uh, there's no, right. I mean, else. you're talking about 23 outs and 13 of them are strikeouts. That's it's impressive. pretty dominating, and that is one thing. Strikeouts are a pretty good indicator of, of overall dominance. I mean, he – 25 hitters he's struck out over half of them he's in a pretty decent situation now but do you trust it paul i trust him um i do generally speaking trust knievel going forward i I especially kind of like that scenario with runners on base um because that's a scenario where i either want to strike out or or something else and he's the most likely to deliver that strikeout other than jefferson hater and um I think what you got to be careful with him on is just if he starts an inning and that curveball's not locating, you you got to yank him quick. You got to have like the the Jabba rules on him. Um, but I, I, he's been much better and he has located it lately. So I do trust him going forward. And I think you kind of need to like he's been good. He's proven it. And he, you, there's no justification for keeping him down over anybody else in that pen right now. And you, you got to ride him if you're going to do anything in the playoffs. Here's a question. What happens if he isn't right? And you've got, you've got to save Hader Jeffress for some of the back major back end stuff. Who's, who's, who's next with Joaquin Soria not <laughs> actually performing quite as well as I'm sure Brewers fans would hope. And I mean, are we talking about the one game? Yeah. Like who's I, the, who's well, cause the in that you case you have not, to bring in in the sixth or something. Well, you're not really saving Jeffress or, or hater at that point because you could basically say hey we're gonna run them out there for that's true but um i i do like burns and i think woodruff too uh, maybe in that scenario yeah woodruff has looked really good it's you know i'd be a little worried about his command like like always but he's he's been good and burns gives up the run on sunday but uh yeah he's probably he's probably the next guy isn't he yep i mean if we're talking about needing to get out of an inning and you're facing a lefty I give me Sedano also. That's that's fine. true. That's a good like, point. Sedano yeah. has legitimate stuff, and 
yeah, there's obviously a very checkered track record there, but it seems to be working at the moment. Mm -hmm. And if you're just talking about one out, well, okay. That's what he's there for. Right. That is literally what he is there for. He's the you know, card-carrying <laughs> member of the, the lefty reliever union. The loogie like, club. He looks great. Yeah. He's 30 years old. Huh? I did not realize yeah. he was that old when they traded for him. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of, he's kicked around. He's, you know, but then again, those guys, I mean, he could be pitching if he ends up finding success. That dude could be pitching into, yeah, until he's 43, 44, 45. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's just... That's kind of how that goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the next one that I want to ask you guys, and I'm sure this won't come as any surprise, is what is your level of trust right now in Jonathan Scope? Um, who do we go to first? JR last time? Paul, I think it's your turn All first right. then. He, he's fine. Uh, it's medium. <clears throat> he, I still don't think he fits in that well just because he does hit same side pitching, and I would mostly rather have Shaw playing second base at that point, but he is better defensively, even though he's screwed up on the de in defense a couple times. Um so it's okay. He, I, I like that he's rallied back after a really bad start. Like he didn't let it get get to him. He's had better at bats. He's walked quite a quite a bit. Um, so yeah, it's okay. I, I, I used to be like, ne don't put that guy in the field ever. Now I'm like, that's a, that's all right. Especially if you need if you expect a lot of ground balls. So like, I don't know, seven out of ten. I trust him. All right, he's fine. Jer, I think I mean it's definitely the two. The fan mind is like you know, Saturday night he comes up in a spot and you're just like, yeah, he's going to swing and miss the three pitches. And then he does. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> he did. He did do that. <laughs> the fan mind is, uh, is not very comfortable with it. I think the, the question for me is what happens with him next year? Because right now, I mean, put him out there in a situation where you need a, a big hit a home run. I mean, he's, he's still fine. Like you said, the same side pitching thing sort of weakens his overall value. But I mean, I think at this point he's just as likely to have a big postseason heroic moment as he is striking out three times in the wild card game. I think it, it, it could go either way with that, but um, next year, I don't know what happens and I don't think there's any way they pursue Mike, Musta Mike Moustakis, but I, I, I'd be curious to know where they're at with him if they if they're going to be swayed by the sample that he's given them with the Brewers because you know if you take the overall player you're absolutely happy to have him in 2019 and if you take what you've seen you're probably thinking you know alternately especially Travis Shaw not looking too terrible at second base it's still a little <laughs> awkward but it's working so I think they're going to have to decide what comes next that's a super interesting question and early I think I think it'll be solved pretty early in the offseason too so part of the scope thing that's interesting to me is and it it dawned on me late that even though they did it right away, I think his first game he played shortstop when he came over from right off the bat. And that was why they made a point to get him because they knew with this idea of moving Shaw over to second base that they were going to be trying to get him in some games, at least at shortstop, and give themselves those different options so they can go with a lineup even against right-handers where they put Scope at short and then Shaw at, at second and Moustak is at third and really have a, a thumping lineup out there, maybe short on defense. Well, definitely short on defense compared to what you do with, with Arcia, but he's not that bad of it. Scope has been a, a good defender. Actually, we've seen that with him and Shaw for the most part since coming over that they've really made most of the defensive plays. Yes, there have been some high profile miscues, but mostly they've made a lot of good plays, including Scope really has a cannon for an arm. He does. He, and he, turning that double play. Much better. Yeah, much better than I, Travis Shaw when it comes to the arm, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This is also nonsense I don't usually get into, but Arcia's been much better lately. Um, I think over the last two weeks, he has like a 900 OPS. Yeah, and it, you do wonder if just that them making that trade gets in his head a little bit. or set, I mean, they sent him down, too, but... 
um like he's he has actually responded and he's been a much better offensive player bunt doubles notwithstanding orlando rc is my nominee for the unieski betancourt big hit in, a, in an elimination <laughs> game moment i think i think that's what's gonna happen he's gonna hit a bloop uh, bloop single or double that scores a big run it's him or kratz right oh it's like, de- definitely kratz with that hard hit rate it's gonna be eric kratz I it'll be kratz and, like, and it'll totally be kratz because uni hit the ball hard in the playoffs he slugged 500 <laughs> that i'll never understand <laughs> i mean the uni thing is just that yeah. Do you remember him remain. fondly? Because I obviously I remember thinking he was terrible. So, but he has a place in my heart because they won a the game because of a hit he, he had. He was legitimately or, a good player in the playoffs for them, um, right. at, at least with a bat. Uh, and I don't remember any high-profile miscues at short either. So <laughs> I mean, he's, he's an awful. Well, he couldn't get to anything. So <laughs> yeah. like you never nope, do. Two feet it just that goes way, through. I'll let it go. And he's right. he's an awful player, but he had a pretty good postseason for them. So. Right. And that's, you know, the thing with him always was that was the sort of the price of doing business with getting uh, with getting Zach Greinke. Well, but you don't have to play him. They could have looked in a different direction. <laughs> he must have been like all I can think is he must have been like the world's greatest clubhouse guy that like everybody loved him and everybody got along with him. And there was just like because nothing else makes sense. Like, why else would he be given that much latitude that he was given? I mean, they were remember the next year they were running him out at freaking first base. He played first base for the the whole season. That's just dumb. There I is, mean, it was... Granted, it was because everybody else was hurt. They literally had lost everybody else. You but. can find someone out on the waiver. You can find a replacement player for him since he is hugely sub-replacement. Right. I personally, by the way, do not remember the 2012 baseball season. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Hashtag Brewers 2012. It was, <laughs> oh, no, he thing. platooned he at just, first base with Alex Gonzalez, the other oh my, shortstop. I have no oh idea God, who that is. That was so just... Un, how did... Yeah. How did that happen? Um, okay. So, uh, another guy that I wanted to ask you about, because this, God willing, they advance to the real playoffs, because I don't consider that one game play in real playoffs. No, it's not. It's like the fake playoffs. The real playoffs, if they advance to the real playoffs, do you trust Zach Davies to be part of their starting rotation in the playoffs? Uh, I think it's your turn to go first, JR. (laughs) I don't know. That's a really... Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, I have no reason to doubt that. I mean, he's had three good starts. Mm-hmm. They're fine. Uh, and I, it was it was those rehab starts that really said to me, the guy has just got to still be hurt or he's just not right or whatever it is. And then he has that final rehab start where he is really good. In Class A Wisconsin. So I was like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, who, I mean, <laughs> right. He's, There's no way to know that. He's facing Gilbert Lara. You know, like, what, what does this mean? But then he comes up here and he comes up to the big leagues and he's solid. So I, I don't – I'm really interested to see what they do with the pitchers. I don't know if he does start a game because realistically you could get away with just three. And certainly in the first round you're going to get away with three. I don't think he's in your top. He's not in your top three, but I don't know who the top three is. You know, is it, it's it's Shasin, it's it's Anderson. I think it's Shasin and Anderson, and, and after Gonzalez? that, like, I, think it's I think Miley. I think Miley's in there too. I, and Miley, I think, uh, is very similar. So other side of the of the coin from Davies. This is this is my time to shine because no, he's not. Um, <laughs> okay, he, he, if you uh, Davies is a pet project of mine, and Jim's if, too or it, JP's. Sorry, if you go. For many years now, for his, well, not many because he's not been in the league that long. But if you go and look at Zach Davies' statistics in CSAA, um, it's Baseball Prospectus's command stat. I forget what it stands for at the moment. It's cat, catching straight. I forget. Whatever. It's a. It, it, I can describe what it is. It's the ability to 
um, command your pitches to the outside of the zone accurately, getting strikes on the outside. Um, it's kind of like the catcher framing stat. It's a pitcher who gets calls that are close. It's Tom Glavin. It is. And Davies, um, when they invented that stat, led the league in it by actually a substantial amount. He has consistently been top 10 in it. And if you look at the leaderboard, you can kind of see what the Brewers look for in free agent <laughs> starters because the other guy that appears on it all the time is Wade Miley. Oh, my gosh. Um, he was directly below Zach Davies in the offseason this year. And so they are two peas. They are two peas in the same pod. They are command guys, and um, they. One of the things about guys like that is they go to hell really quickly if they lose any command at all. If they're not getting calls, and they get pounded because they both have terrible stuff. But um, when Davies, when Davies is right, he pounds the outside of the zone, and he does not miss, and he is great at it. So he looks good to me right now, and I do trust him right now. And the Brewers are built to take advantage of that because they have two really good Kratz is an exceptional pitch framer he is he's been great it, it, that's the other thing like it's I don't know how they found that out with him you know where where he was uh, I mean great job scouting and analytics on Kratz but, but he is outstanding at framing pitches he looks kind of garbagey at it every once in a while too but analytics say he's awesome at it right and it's been that way sort of as we we've seen kind of all year that was and as well as Pena also Pena's not a slouch himself he, at framing he's, he's okay he's fine he's not he's not excellent at it like Kratz yeah. but it's not an accident I believe all three of Davies starts he's been with paired Kratz. with Kratz yes and they know that yeah yeah they're this is not an accident this is what they're doing and I I would imagine Miley starts if you looked were probably I fairly have not looked well lately aligned. but I bet they have a lot of Kratz in them too he yeah. definitely benefits from it I, and I got a chance, you, by the way, to interview Wade Miley. I just want to interject. He ooh. is my favorite interview of all time right now. That guy is fantastic. Southern Southern charm. Told a story. I asked him about a story in San Diego where he um, he he was on the road with the Diamondbacks and he went to the hotel desk. He was he was driving into town and and discovered something he wanted to go do. So he asked the guy at the hotel desk, "What? Uh, how many how many hours is it to get to Alcatraz?" He's in there in San Diego. He didn't know which San California city it was in. He said, I, I grew up on the East Coast. when I, I didn't get off the East Coast very much growing up. <laughs> so great. He's like, he doesn't know how that story got out there. I saw it in a Sports Illustrated article from 2012 or whatever it was. So it, it's it's out there. But uh, he is he's so fantastic. And when I said other side of the coin, that's what I meant. Like he and Davies, they oh, feel okay. very similar yeah. to me. Just one's righty, one's yep, left. You are right and about that. Saying, that's exactly right. You are dead on. Yeah. And I, Davies has been legitimately solid since coming back up you're looking at a an overall 12 to 3 strikeout to walk ratio in 15 innings and an ops allowed of 609 i mean he's really been legitimately good since doing that but like you said it's it's a terrifying prospect in a playoff game where you maybe feel like you know if you're down 2-1 in a series or something and you have to win that game sending him out there because if it goes bad it, it goes, turns into yeah. you're in Sean Markham territory. You're done, and yeah, you got to have a quick hook on those guys. I think if anything goes wrong, immediately get them out. Either one of them. Um, yeah, uh, Supan jumped to mind for me too. Like, but you, you just yeah, you have a quick hook. But I trust them. They've been good for full games lately, and they they pitch well. And you know the Brewers believe in them for a reason. That's the reason. Maybe Junior Guerra is is on the roster as sort of the guy you bring in for those Davies or Miley start. If it doesn't go well through first, second inning, maybe maybe that's where he fits in on the on the playoff. That's roster. not a bad thought. He has completely different stuff too. It would be hard to adjust to on right. the fly. And wow, was he good on Saturday night? That was nice. Uh, nice silver lining for the Brewers. Right, and that really does sort of. That was the next guy I was going to bring up. Uh, where are we with Junior Guerra? Does he make the playoff roster? Because he did look good on Saturday night, but is it 
they have so many other options, I guess. That's that's a close call. I'm not sure. I think he makes it because I think he is good enough that he is better than the last reliever who would make it. And I would. This is gonna. They're gonna be smart about this. They're not gonna put a guy like if they need to take reliever X to fill out the roster. They're not gonna just look at relievers. They're gonna look at the whole pitching staff. And what are, are we talking about? Like Taylor Williams here? We're talking Jordan about Lyles. Jordan, Jordan Lyles. Lyles. And, like Jordan Lyles is probably the last guy on. I think or thereabouts. Even Jennings maybe at this point. Well, it will but, change from series to series. It, too, it like will said. depending on lineup construction, roster construction. But um, I, I I think he's one of the 25 best players on the team and so i think he'll make it i think you just hit on it though he, he throws something that we don't see from a lot of pitchers and you're gonna want you're gonna want variety you're gonna want that in the playoffs so uh that's why i definitely think Gira makes the playoff roster yeah. i haven't actually sketched it out to figure out who's not gonna make it about the only guy i'm pretty sure won't is eric thames that would be sort of a, a name guy but uh, but yeah i would i could see them i mean because if jordan lyles the, the only reason you'd have him on the roster is to save you if, if a game gets out of hand to save the big guys for, for later. But Junior Gear could totally do that, too. So I don't yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I need I, to make a 25-man I, roster. I keep going back and forth on Dams. Like, he's he's been so important throughout the year. But oh, man. August, lack of playing September. time just, Oof. yeah, slumping. And I think not getting regular time just kills him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going he's gonna to be hard to trust. And you have so many other options against righties. Well, and know. it's. He really doesn't fit defensively anywhere because you're probably not playing him at first unless Junior Guerra gets hurt, and even or I'm sorry, unless uh, Jesus Aguilar gets hurt. Yeah, um, and even then Shaw could play there. Mustakas could play there. Yeah. Braun could play there. Yeah, I mean sure. they have so many options at all of his positions, and he's worse at all of them than all of those options. Yeah. Right. He just doesn't bring anything defensively to the table. The thing that I do like about him is, especially if you're talking about a, a one game play in. If you need a guy to come in and lead off an inning and get on base, that I trust him to have a good at bat and and put that together and and do that. I mean, that's it's sketchy because the on base percentage this year is low. Yeah, it it's is lower than where he's been. But it it mostly reflects, I think, that his uh, the batting average on balls in play has been super low, and that's driven a you know an incredibly low overall yeah, batting average he's hitting 222 309 481 he's still taking his walks and he's still hitting for power the batting average just hasn't been there and i was going to ask about that if you guys think that he could potentially be on the roster it, it's he's a tricky call and really now with granderson being so good it's yeah. hard to imagine ever playing thames in right field it why is. would you do that because granderson's basically just a superior version of him especially in the moment yeah if you're Thames all you should be doing right now is practice bunting down the third baseline that is that is it <laughs> yeah I think his OPS is 507 in the last two months and that's partially because he's not getting regular at bats and he was dinged up a little bit but he's not going to get regular at bats in the playoffs either yeah. so I uh he he does put together okay at bats I just uh I don't think like you meant I don't think there's room for him yeah, it's it's going to awesome. be tricky. in In September, he's hitting two seventy three, four sixty seven, three sixty four. But that's again small sample size. So we're talking about fifteen plate appearances there. So it's tiny. Yeah, but that's kind of I think what they're going to be judging on because there are so many guys who are going to get into games here, like Domingo Santana. Domingo Santana hit a big home run today to bring the Brewers back within one run off of you know certified stud uh, reliever. Um, Vasquez does he work his way into some sort of conversation as being a pinch hit bat off the bench for especially when we're talking about this the play-in game where they're probably going to carry 
14 or 15 position players. He's pretty useful. I mean, as one of the only consistent power righty bats that they have, if if he's right, and we, I don't think we still know that about him, um, but he's also a travesty on defense. So I think they might carry him just for the bat. Uh, th- that's a rare commodity in the Brewer lineup, and I think that helps him a lot. So I, I would actually vote that he does make it. That he has a chance. That at he this has point? a chance at this yeah. point. Okay. I just don't know who you take off in his stead, because because okay, the outfielders obviously Braun, Yelich, Kane. I guess you could consider Hernan Perez an outfielder if you if you want to get creative about it. I'm trying to think of like what Keon. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, because Keon too. You, you you'd love to have Keon for the running capabilities and defense late in games. If I think he makes it up. because he's going to run late in games. Yeah, I think you're right about that and. I mean, his defense is very good. Like you could, you could see him going in for Braun late in a, you know, in a, in a one run game in the ninth or something. So I, I just don't know if Santana fits because you've got those four ish, four and a half guys that could play those spots. And like you said, it doesn't matter about defense cause it's his bat, but yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, uh, that's an interesting call too. I mean, I think that much like scope, we're going to see a lot of these guys, who are going to be pushed to the side towards the end of the year here. And I'm not saying scope's going to be, but we're going to see some of these guys who are pushed to the side at the end of the year here, come back with full fledged roles. Once you're back to a 162 game schedule and you're looking at trying to parse that out instead of who's hot, who's, you know, has a role in a sort of specific way for this playoff run. It's a, it's a different things. Rosters are constructed very differently. A guy who might have a lot of use because he's a rubber armed reliever who can go three days in a row. He's not very good, but at least he offers that can have a lot of use to a team, but in the playoffs, there's just no point. That guy doesn't give you anything. That's that's true. Are are we sure scope makes it just, I'm not just looking at this. Like he, he, he doesn't hit, he doesn't get lefties, which is something they need. He they'll have Arcia and Hernan to play shortstop. They'll have Hernan to play all over the damn place if they want. Sorry about that. Um, but he can play second base and sub in there too. Um, and he has better platoon splits against opposite side pitching. I could see Scope being left out of like a one game playing situation and then come back yeah. for the for the like if you, you want, know. Yeah. I think the opposite because you're gonna have you're not gonna need to keep all your starters theoretically on your one game play and i think they load up with bats for the for that game i i think the longer series is the one where you have to start considering his defensive value and like you said right versus pitching at that point yeah too. i think it might come down to the pitching staff they're facing and and what they can you know how they think this scope matches you up know if them. scope hits three dingers the rest you know in these last 12 games or something he's gonna make the postseason probably, roster like yeah. that's that's you probably know. true just he seems like kind of, he seems like he's, he's not a great fit for what they have yeah, I mean, he wasn't an ideal fit. He was the best player that they could get that could do what they were looking, which was to also play shortstop, I think. Because, like, they could have gone out and, and done what the Dodgers did and grabbed uh, Dozier from the Twins, but Dozier wasn't offering you the ability to play shortstop, so his role True. was going to be limited basically just to second base. What's so. Manny Machado doing these days? Because I remember, I know he wasn't doing great for a while there. Is he? Uh, I haven't even looked in a long time. That, uh hasn't maybe moved the needle as much as uh much as the Dodgers would like it to have and I always I always thought that at the time like if he's terrible for two months it's gonna be bad for whomever signs him so uh I'm, I'm I'll have to look that up here see how he's I mean on. he was super hot in the first half because I I had him oh, in sure. multiple fantasy so leagues scope. on the and he was well scope had that that great yeah, run right before April, yeah, yeah getting traded but 
Machado had a really, really good start to the season and wasn't as good after that, whereas Harper sort of had the opposite season yeah. where he started off relatively slow and then, well, actually, I think he was right out of the gate. He was really good, but then was slow for a good portion of the first half and then really has turned it on since the All-Star break. Machado's fine. He's got an 830 OPS, not the all-world. He was 963 with the Orioles this year. So no, but you're taking job. you're taking a cut there when you go to Dodger Stadium yeah, that's, from that's true. Camden. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're losing at least a little bit of it there. Okay, a um, couple more questions I want to get to here real quick. Um, Nicholas Zetel asks, and this one is definitely for you, Paul. Hey, all right. <laughs> is there a more important stat than the win column? No, no, there is not. It is the most important stat, and um, people focus far too much on the loss column, and they're just being negative because losses are bad. Um, and so <laughs> the, math, the math behind it is that when you, when you look at the loss column, if you are up two in the loss column and there's only one game left, then uh, you're going to win. But if you are up three in the win column and there's only two games left, you're also going to win. So um, this all evens out in the grand scheme of things. Like if, if you have if you have 100 wins and the other team has 98 wins and there's only one game left, your 100 wins is going to carry the day. So anyway, um, I, I like being positive. And um, really, the, the way to be positive is to focus on the win column. So... It is the most important thing to look at I when just, you're looking uh, at the standings. I want to make sure that I'm not missing. Correct me if I'm wrong. People emphasize the loss column because those are games that, you know, if the, for example, the Cubs are ahead. Those are the, the Cubs are they're going to be. It's up to them what happens to those extra games. They have the extra games to play, so it's out of the Brewers' hands. Theoretically, though, there's also another team on the field playing against them, which was always the thing that got me about it. It's like you're assuming wins. I know the team is good, so they therefore right. should probably. Because nobody's worried about games up in the loss column for a bad team, right? It's only if you're a good team. <laughs> you have to think about this probabilistically. It, 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 <clears throat> just because those games haven't been played yet doesn't guarantee that they're one thing or the other. And um, you, you can't assume you're going to go out and do something in them. Like Any outcome is possible until it's done. So all we know is what's been banked. And all throughout the summer, that's what I kept thinking. When the Brewers had played, you know, five, six more games than the Cubs or whatever, and they had banked like three, four wins, I'm going, this is fantastic. This is what you need to do. Like, bank <laughs> wins. Like, the Cubs, maybe maybe they do catch up with that, but they're going to have to go out and do that. Like, they're going to have to to make that happen. So, anyway, so. don't listen to Tom Hodricourt. He's just being a negative Nelly. Pay attention to the win column. My guy Tom Hodricourt, my my uh, my colleague. I won't bash him if he wants to stick at the loss column. That's fine. He's maybe a little negative, but he's my guy. Um, what was I going to say about it? Something about uh, I forget what it was. I guess you could assume that teams are going to go 500. You just should assume that teams will go 500 with the games they have remaining, since that's <laughs> roughly the most likely outcome. I'm impressed with what the Cubs have done to have to fly to Washington and gut out a win that they probably shouldn't have gotten, and then to win two, the first two against Cincinnati. That's pretty incredible. You'd have figured that they would have really hit, you know, that they would have hit a wall there maybe Saturday, but they found a way to win a one nothing game, and maybe that is hitting a wall. And then uh, <laughs> they didn't win Sunday. Yeah. But, uh, but short, that's, short that's rest, crazy. Short rest with no closer traveling for that many days is no impressive. Doubt. They've done a good job. Flew all the way to Washington just to lose their closer to a hamstring. Yep. That sucks. Well, they did, get a, they did get a win, though. That was a big, that was a huge win for them. And, I mean, they're a good team. We, as much as we like to hate on them and bash them, they're a good team. They're well-constructed. They're generally well-run, generally. I, more so in the front <laughs> office than the, the dugout these yeah, days, because that's been a thing. He's not a good manager. Um, he a, used to be. Like, he used to be really good. I don't think he did. I think he was just better than more. There were more incompetent managers then, and he's, he seemed good compared to them, and now there aren't as many, and now he just seems kind of like them. Like, 
he does a few good things. He does a few progressive things every once in a while, but they're they're swamped by dumb decisions, bullpen adherence, and weird running decisions. If Javi Baez wasn't a wizard, a lot of their base running would be stupid too. I mean, yeah, he really does tread that line of you always think it's going to end poorly, and then you're like, oh, no, he somehow managed to get in there. <laughs> He's always looking to take that extra base, and he doesn't seem to get caught. Nope, as he doesn't. As he should. Is he, it makes have, no sense. Have you talked about the MVP? Is he going to win the MVP? I think he will. You think It's going to be annoying, but I think he will. Yeah, I think so, too. I, for, for a while, I thought Carpenter just had it in the bag, and now with the Cardinals tailing off, it's, it's going to be They're going to make the playoffs. He's going he's gonna to be the best player on the team that makes the playoffs. He's in a big market. He's going to do it. He's going to win it. I mean, is this the year we see a pitcher win it? Uh, war favors, I think, all pitchers, right, in the NL anyway? Yeah, I mean, it's really DeGrom and Syndergaard. Or, I'm sorry, DeGrom and... Um, Scherzer. None of them have the narrative, though. Nola, too. None of them are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, so that, that's going to kill him. Scherzer should be. I think Scherzer ahead of DeGrom just barely should be the MVP, but I don't think they will without the narrative. Yeah, that's always tough because it is so important with MVP in a way that it's not, which I love for, for <laughs> Cy Young. For Cy Young, oh, no, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. It's really just, you know, who's the better pitcher? Yep. And I guess somewhat, We've like, gotten there. do you have wins? Like, though that... I think this year, with the absolute ridiculousness of yeah. how screwed I, DeGrom has gotten... I want DeGrom to win it just for that reason. So do I, totally. Right, because I want to see people like Mike Wilbon's head explode. <laughs> like, that's just... I'm, I'm here for that. I've like, been that's, cheering for him to have a losing record because that will, in a way, I think bump his candidacy because there will be a lot of writers thinking like we are right now. Well, you know, he's got a losing record because of these outdated, this outdated, yep. you know, garbage. He should absolutely be in the consideration. And he's got, a, well, he's got a greater war than, than games he's won or not war. It's yeah. Not, yeah he no, has, he does. He has, he has more has war than, war. than wins. And yeah. he's at the point where there's a good chance that he will finish that way because he's only got a few starts left. Yeah. And yep. I think, yeah. I think he's eight and eight in one run in, in games where he's given up zero or one run. I think, Something like that, something insane like that. Maybe one or two, but like that guy just has the most hard luck season ever. And like the Mets, they're bad, but like they're not that bad. Like that's this has been just a weird confluence of every single time he goes out, they just don't score for him. I guess so. They're also not that bad because they have good pitchers more than they have good offense. They're sure. There's there's definitely with an average pitching staff, they might be reprehensibly bad with suspendus out they really there's not much to hang your hat on besides you know some young outfielders in nimmo and conforto there but yeah okay so the uh the final question here and uh this <laughs> i feel weird about reading it but uh jay google asks are you going to recap your performance at miller park mm-hmm. also <laughs> which games did you miss that uh that should have been named I almost feel like I should wait for this for uh, Steve and Breen to come back for chop busting purposes. But maybe if I get it out of the way here, well, someone I won't to have set, to get it next week. Someone needs to set this yeah, first up. First, you need to set up what happened. That you were sure. on the Miller Park scoreboard doing one of the uh, in-between inning games. And it was uh, name as many uh, tailgating activities as you can in, in, what, 15 seconds did they give you? 10 yeah, seconds? they give me 15 seconds. And then they show Manny Pena afterwards, and he had to guess as many as he could in the same amount of time. You destroyed Manny Pena. Well done. I think it was, uh, no, it wasn't Pena. It was, uh, oh, who was it? I'm completely blanking on it now, but what, I, I really it thought was, it was Pena. Now I don't know; I could be wrong. But uh, um, it, was it was seven to five, I think you got. Yeah, it was beat the player. It was seven to five, and so I, they came over and asked before uh, the game started. We, my wife and I, were there very early, and they came over and asked us, and she like shrunk from it, did not want to do it. So I kind of got stuck with it, and 
because I wasn't going to say no. So I had to wait until the middle of the fifth inning to do it. And so I'm sitting there like stressing out about the fact that I'm going to be on the Jumbotron in front of, you know, 45,000 people or whatever. And uh, yeah, when I got over there, uh, we started talking a little bit and I mentioned the the podcast to the the girl who was running the event. And she said, oh, well, uh, that's related to your topic. The, when I said the name of Milwaukee's tailgate and having been to, I think I've been to about 30 games this year. I was thinking through all of the previous ones that I'd heard. And one of them was name things that you put on a grill. So I assumed it was going to be things that you put on a grill and it wasn't. So that threw me for a loop. I was all set though, to, to throw in a shout out to the podcast on there. I had something worked up in my mind. <laughs> and then when the topic changed from what I thought it was going to be, I was like, oh no, I guess, I guess not. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing people uh, give me grief for naming drinking as one of the You got the a games. little laugh out of the Miller Park crowd. That's I did. I, I, got a, I got a chuckle and it wasn't my chuckle. I'm fairly certain that that was Travis Shaw that fed that to me from the dugout. <laughs> Because I could hear I could hear things being shouted at me, and that one I heard and I laughed, so I said it. And uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was Travis Shaw's one there that uh, that got me. Okay, it's good stuff. He's so, a Browns fan, so you know he knows he knows the, he knows about tailgating. He knows about drinking. And he what, before he knows he knows the tailgating thing. So yeah, it was it was fun. It was uh, I got a uh, an Aquafina shirt that's too small for me, and I got a hat that's too small for me because. It, it's even one of those flexi back ones, but oh, my head is a Still. little a little large, so it doesn't. I have to. I have the the bochi head size, so you got to get the uh, you got to get the like super fitted hats, the well, like eight and quarter. We should have a contest for small headed people here. I definitely have a large head, but dude, you got me beat. I'm gonna just uh, yeah. say it right now. Congratulations on that. So yeah, it was it was fun, and it's uh, it's floating around Facebook. I can't wait to see. <laughs> I can't wait to see it work on Monday, what that's going to look like. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it was a fun weekend aside up to that point. Anyway, Friday night, everything Friday looked fine. good. And then everything quickly yep. went terrible. Everything went to heck in a handbasket yeah. immediately. No, I think we could say hell. We, okay. we don't have a, an explicit okay. tag, but I'm Thank pretty goodness, sure we I definitely swore earlier. Hmm. Yeah. And every once in a while, it's always funny that JP is the one who drops the, the swears. Cause he's the, <laughs> definitely the most, you know, like not, uh, not crude out of the, the three of the normal hosts. And yet he's the one that usually, uh, usually, uh, requires the beeping. So anyway, that is going to do it for this week. I'd like to say thank you f- to, uh, Jared Radcliffe and Paul Noonan for joining me. Thanks guys. Can I get a quick plug for, uh, oh, can I give a quick ab- plug? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go right so ahead. You can find me. I do work for the journal Sentinel. We, I do cover Wisconsin sports. going to be a fun week in the office. JSonline.com is where, uh, where you will find some of my, some of my writing trending sports reporter and, uh, having a lot of fun covering spend. It has been a lot of fun. So, uh, so look me up, find me. And, uh, um, I write for I write about the Packers for the Shepherd Express in the Milwaukee Alternative newspaper, and also Acme Packing Company, the SB Nation Packer blog, as well as Baseball Prospectus Milwaukee. And what's that Packer column going to look like this week? Just a primal scream? He's going to like write primal scream, and that'll be the case of the Clay Matthews tackle. It's going to be over. ugly, and I don't even know what to focus on refs or bad coaching or what it was just a debacle all the way around there's so many bad angles to take just like clay matthews does during the game <laughs> oh man oh man it's a good little thing man you write for everybody dude everybody <laughs> Yeah, you, you really are the uh the jack of all trades 
All right. Um, well, again, thank you guys for joining me. Good job um, hosting. You did a good job. Oh, yeah, this excellent is, work. I'm, I'm never comfortable doing this. This is this is Steve's thing. He's good at it. Um, I, but don't tell him I said that. He probably will hear he this anyway. But, no. <laughs> he won't get this, this far. He won't get, no, he won't get this he's far. Got he got never the outro does. started. He's like, yeah, I'm out. Got to yeah. listen to something else. All right. So you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com uh, backslash MKE tailgate. Patrons at the ball and glove level will receive monthly access to the minor league extra podcast which actually we just had a new one come out this week where uh, JP and I discussed, among other things, the Bloxy Shuckers run through the uh, Southern League playoffs, as well as the upcoming Arizona Fall League rosters. So um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can also submit questions to at, uh, sorry, at Milwaukee's Tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and in the Google Play Store. You can also leave reviews and help people find the podcast. Thank you for listening, and look for us again on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Mm-hmm.